0: We are the Love Jays, and you're listening to Married Millennials.
1: A conversation about being young, in love, and navigating life one student loan payment at a time. I'm Joy. I'm Justin. Let's get to
0: it. Hello and thank you for tuning in to episode 79 of Married Millennials. We'd like to start the top of the show by saying thank you to those of you who reviewed our show on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it.
1: See, we had to bring it up at the beginning of the show for to get you guys to listen. And for those of you who listened to last week's episode and have yet to write a review, I'm talking to you for a second consecutive week. (laughs) Make sure you guys write write us a review, man. We really, really, really appreciate it. We need your support. And one of the comments left as a review said, hey, maybe you should tell your listeners how to leave a review because they had to Google it. So for those of you. It is gonna give you. is. I'm going to give you a quick (laughs) breakdown on, on how to write a review. If you have an iPhone, I want you to find the Purple Podcast app. Open the podcast app then in the search bar type in married millennials when you type in married millennials you'll see our cover art and different episodes click on our actual podcast and then it'll show a nice little profile of our of our podcast Mm -hmm. then you're gonna click reviews right there in the middle when you hit reviews there'll be a button that then says write a review Mm -hmm. and then at that point you'll click that write your review yeah put five stars drop a little note for us click submit review is written
0: yeah, I like reading your reviews, too. They they warm my heart. So let us know what you really think. I like it. We like feedback. So And also, I want to say you have to create a username. That's the other thing. When you leave a review, mm-hmm. so do something creative because, you know...
1: You want to put your government out there, because yeah. then, then I might have to hit you on the DM and be like, oh, so that's how you feel? Oh, okay, cool, <laughs> right. cool, cool. But your cool.
0: government is taken. That's the other thing. Have you ever, you know, every time you go to make a Gmail, well, you haven't had to make a Gmail, but with our new last name, I'm excited, you know, okay, I have a different last name now. I'm going to make a new email taken. Every variation of my name is taken. So it's like, all right, fine.
1: Well, see, I, I can understand that now, because I feel like everybody in the world has a Gmail account. Yeah. So it's, understand when I made my Gmail account, I think I was, I was still in high school. So I've had my Gmail account for 12, 13 years.
0: I regret putting, I have a number on my account and I regret I, putting it. I had to,
1: there. I, I regret that too, but <laughs> I had to do it because the name, was my taken, name was taken. Yeah. So it's just like, well, damn. But <sighs> it, you know it, it is what it is. But make sure you guys go ahead and submit that review. Yes. And we also wanted to mention when we recorded last week's episode, it was prior to the news of the Las Vegas shooting, mm-hmm. and we just want to send our prayers, thoughts, and condolences to all those who were affected by that tragedy. I personally had a few friends of mine who were in Las Vegas mm-hmm. at the time, one who I worked very closely with who was injured in the shooting, and, and just hearing the firsthand account of the experience was was pretty frightening. It's
0: harrowing, yeah. I
1: mean, it, it was, it was terrible. I mean, I remember when you know, I sent him a text when I saw the news and I said, are you safe? And he responds with got shot. And when you see those words, you don't know how to, how to react. And, and fortunately he was, he was okay. There was nothing wrong with them. But just in that moment, you know, I spent two hours on the phone, just texting. He was hiding, like, what's the news on the shooter? I'm like, are you okay? Right. I, and, and here I am, you know, miles away hundreds of miles away and you had a friend who's saying he's injured but he's hiding and and there was no concrete evidence
0: that's on the the shooters so it was was hard and was that he was so reliant on information from us and that's what i think i learned is that when you're in crisis there is not information coming into you there's there's nothing nothing and I asked an aunt of ours who uh, is a former chief of police, what do you do in that situation if you are injured? And for him, you know, he, uh, they sought out shelter in the MGM. And if you know about that day, you know that they had the MGM on lockdown. Well, if you're injured and you, you're in need of medical attention and you're in lockdown, what do you do? And she said, at that point, you make videos for your family. Just in case for some reason, you know, you don't make it, but law enforcement can't do anything to get you out of that situation because they don't know who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. So lockdown means lockdown. I mean, just truly terrifying.
1: Yeah, it was uh, a, just a horrible experience through and through. So again, our, our thoughts and prayers and condolences to all those who were affected by that tragedy.
0: Last week, I shared a bit of my mental health journey with you all, and the feedback has been wonderful. Thank you for those of you who reached out and said, hey, me too, or do you have any advice about this? And I'm not an expert, but, <laughs> but I'm happy to help anybody who needs help, so I will put that on the table again. Feel free to reach out to me, and I'm happy to point you in the right direction, and continuing with our mental health theme, this week we sat down with creative consultant and mental health expert, Allison Hicks. Allison was truly wonderful and provided so much insight into what goes on in our brains.
1: It, it does. And, <laughs> and what was interesting is when we sat down with, with Allison, it was the day after I had went to my first therapy session, mm-hmm. which I won't spoil too much because I mentioned it in the in the interview But I can just simply say that the stigma associated with therapy needs to be completely removed because it was the most casual thing I've ever experienced. Right? (laughs) But I mean, it was just a a really good conversation, providing insight on therapy, her experience as a therapist, talking about the different types of therapy out there and why it's so important to continue this conversation.
0: Definitely an important conversation that we need to continue having. Here's Allison Hicks
1: on today's episode we are joined by creative consultant and mental health expert dr. Allison Hicks Allison hey. thank you so much for joining us
0: thank this you morning. so much for having me we're so excited to have you here I just want to dive into all things mental health I'm so passionate about it and I just I don't think it gets enough. Attention. Not at all. And it's something that everyone can benefit from learning because if they're not somebody who has had a mental health crisis or it just even struggles dealing with it, they know somebody who has.
2: Exactly. And everybody. Has human behavior. Everybody yeah. behaves and acts, and so we have to understand ourselves. Yeah. And so I think it's something that we definitely don't pay enough attention to, period.
1: Especially within the black culture. Yes. And I'm being fully transparent. Absolutely. I admitted on a previous episode that I was going to go to therapy for the first time, and I actually had my first session yesterday. So oh. I, am, I am 24. Congratulations! Hours. Thank you. Your Thank therapy
2: you. cherry. Yes. Right. My, my <laughs> therapy
1: cherry has officially yes. been popped. Yes. And now I am, you know, and it was good. Enjoy Astro. Me afterwards, she's you know how did you how did you enjoy it? And I said it was the first one, so it was hard for me to have a true reaction Mm -hmm. to it because I think she was still trying to get to know me. She being the therapist, and I was just trying to find my balance. Mm Look, how's this supposed to go? But I mean, to me, it was it was so different than what I expected, simply because you just have such this this picture in your head that's mm-hmm. like, I'm just gonna sit here and lay on this couch and just spout out oh my, my problems. Like, Again, that's what I had TV in my head. Therapy. And literally what it was, I was like, this is just two people having a conversation. Yeah. Yes. Like if you could paint that picture, and for those of you guys who've never gone to therapy and you're struggling with this idea yeah. of what it looks like, I had this insane propagated view of what I thought therapy was gonna look mm-hmm. like. And it was literally two people. So like, imagine you're at a bar and you're having a conversation with a complete stranger but mm-hmm. you're in a nice quiet room. That's what it was. And I was like, oh, so this is way easier <laughs> yeah, to just sit and yeah. talk.
2: Definitely. People have this idea that it's some like old white guy with a beard. He's going to be <laughs> sitting there like, hmm. I'm judging you. And and don't how you hate your mother? mother? <laughs> yeah. It's your mother. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so not the case. Like, It really is. It's a conversation with somebody who has a set of skills that you necessarily don't have. But you're an expert in you. And so it's really a collaboration where we bring our expertise and understanding of like neurochemistry and like how the brain works and how behavior works. And then you bring your expertise of how your life has been and the things that you've been through and what works for you and what doesn't. And then we collaboratively like come together and figure out things that you should do.
1: That sounds so, so nice. Right? Like, that literally just sounds this so nice and pleasant.
2: That's why so, she's here. <laughs> why do you, Why do you think Package it.
1: Why do you think people are so resistant to therapy?
2: Well, and there's so many reasons, but I think like specifically focusing on the African American or Black community. Like when I talk to a lot of people, like Black clients come in, a lot of them talk about religion first. Mm. And they'll say like, well, you know, the, the Bible says not to lean on your own understanding. And mm-hmm. the only person who should deal with, you know, who should like deal with your issues is God. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like there's this level of mistrust. Okay. And right. in general, I think black people have higher mistrust of the medical system, period. Yeah, Facts. We, we, like, we go to the doctor and there's this thing called like the white coat symptom, um, syndrome where you go in and your heart rate shoots up. And so you look like you have a higher heart rate and more hypertension. And it's something that specifically happens to African-Americans a lot. And so, like, yeah, it's a whole phenomenon, the white phenomenon. It's, it's like the stress of being just, in a room where someone is, like, going to tell you, like, maybe you're dying. Yeah, like, you have problems. What if something's really <laughs> right, wrong Right, And so people get really anxious when they go into settings like this, period. And so I think that's one of the things that people are just, like, not comfortable with. And then I think it's also we're not really familiar with it. Mm-hmm. And so I think the people are just, like, so trepidatious of anything new. Like, all humans are kind of afraid of, like, what's going to happen And is this person going to be like, oh, you're schizophrenic. We need to put you in a hospital. The guys are outside the door. They're going to wrap you up, and then they're going to throw you in the car, and no one's ever going to see you again. Right. And so I think that just dispelling the myth by just being a normal therapist, Mm -hmm. a person that like cusses and makes mistakes and isn't Mm -hmm. perfect and sits in front of you and is like, yeah, I have no idea what to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just like,
1: okay, well, we're going to learn from each other today. Yeah.
2: (laughs) We're going to work through this, because I can't just
0: tell you right now. Absolutely. And actually, I think that's what most therapy is, that you don't go to a therapist and they just tell you what to do. It, it, it's more of you helping me find a solution within myself because you have the answer. You do most of the time. It's just digging through the muck to get to it. And
2: that's what you help, exactly, help with. Exactly, because yeah. I can't give you advice on your life because I might give you advice. Like they always say, like you never as, as a therapist give advice because it might end up ruining a person's life because mm-hmm. you have no idea what that person's intimate like issues are. And then a lot of the times like people don't talk about it is people come to you and they really want you to like them. And mm-hmm. so they don't always tell you the truth. Oh. Interesting.
1: <laughs> I want you to be my friend and not have... my helper.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they come. And I've had a, I had one client who was coming in for a year. And she didn't tell me that she was seeing people in her room. People that weren't there for oh. a year. And, and because she had this impression that you don't talk. And she was very, she was very religious. Um, she said, you don't talk about negative things. You shouldn't talk about them because then you give them power and this whole concept of like, if you say something negative, the devil can hear it and now he, he can impact your life. And so we went a whole year and I had no idea that she was seeing people that weren't there. Oh no. And you're like, okay, so this
1: big nugget has just... Threw a complete wrench in everything. Transition. So how did that happen? Was that transition weird for you? Like, okay, we're sitting here for a year and no, now. because she's
2: there to help. Yeah, and I think what it did is it made sense. Finally, I was like, there was a piece missing.
1: Gotcha. Mm. Like,
2: you can feel that something's not right, but you don't want to be that weird person that's like, are you lying to me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, are yeah. you not telling me the truth? Right, right. And so finally, I was like, oh, now we can we can really do therapy. Like, yeah, let's, let's really get in.
0: Yeah a year later.
2: Yeah. Gosh, that's a very that's, long time.
1: Yeah. That's tough, but I mean, it is true in, in religion. I know is it is a very big thing, especially within the, the black community and you'll hear it all the time is, you know, I personally have family members and, Know people who've said this is that you know when you have a problem you just pray and say it to God and hope things right. happen. And I've always counted as a Christian man mm-hmm. of saying yes, I believe you do need to, to pray about it and, and and go to the Father and ask for His help and guidance. But at the same time, you have to put actions in place yeah. to help um, move that. Faith and without what works hap- ha- is dead. Yeah, faith without works is dead. I mean, yeah. and it's so it's true. In the Bible. <laughs> as we sit there and we we pray and we pray and we pray, but we don't change anything that we do, and it's yeah. unfair for us to, to then blame Christianity blame mm-hmm. religion be upset mm-hmm. with God because we're saying well we're, you told us to pray we're praying and believing but nothing's happening and I say like, okay yeah but we have to at least give something at least take one step he may push you the rest but right. you gotta be willing to take that, that, that one step and I right. think that's the uh, the biggest thing that I've seen mm-hmm. that's missing from a lot of people the conversation with a lot of people
0: I wanna say the other thing I've heard is church is my therapy like church mm-hmm. makes me feel better and the the argument I give to that always is if someone has cancer you don't tell them to just go to church just go to church don't worry about the doctor no i, I think church is a tool that you can use in conduct in conjunction with
2: mm-hmm. actual professional help exactly that's like, exactly what i was going to say like we yeah. should be working together more because yeah. i'm also not a theologian and i can't sit down and educate a person on religion and mm-hmm. on every single detail of the hebrew versus the aramaic translations of the bible right so it's like so, you go to your pastor, you go to your seminary and whoever, for your spiritual growth, but you exactly. come to me for your mental health issues. Like, yeah. that's what I do, that's what they do. Right. Because, like you're saying, like, you can really begin to have resentment for a church when you're being told that this is supposed to be the thing that fixes everything in yep. your life. Mm-hmm. Because the Bible's also very explicit about how people who believe in God will be like, there'll be like tribulation and trial. It's not yeah. gonna be an easy life just because right. you believe in God. For sure. And so, I think that that's also something that we need to acknowledge that life is hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. I said all the time. Like,
0: life is just, it's not easy. No. It's not easy. It's very difficult, and you need as many tools in your tool belt yeah. to deal with it. True,
1: but in, and also it's difficult, and we're not equipped for the difficulty of life. And the reason, and, I, and I'll go back you know, to, to our schooling system. If you think about when we're in school, you know, you're learning history, these you know, art, sciences, math, all of this information that you then use and you carry on and this knowledge is all of a sudden supposed to help you. And then you earn a college degree. Some may not earn a college degree or some may earn an advanced degree. Mm-hmm. It's like you have all this knowledge, but then when you get into life, it's like, okay, like I just don't even know how to function as a being, as a human, mm-hmm. as an adult, because my life has been scripted for the last 20 years. Now, all of a sudden, that script is taken away no one's taught me how to write my own script mm-hmm. and now i'm supposed to navigate this world like i know what the hell i'm doing yeah and we're just all gonna pretend like we're all good <laughs> yeah. and know what the
2: hell we're doing too and none of us do Nobody. no none of us it's called the imposter syndrome yeah we all feel fake we mm-hmm. go to work and we're like oh my goodness um i'm gonna ruin everyone's life today. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Like, yes like am yes. i really good at this like i almost yes. wore a shirt that said adultish on it but yeah. I was oh, like, nice. mm, I'm going to be appropriate. Right. But, that is appropriate. <laughs> I don't honest. feel like an adult. Like, it's not real. Like, I understand for the first time, like, when my parents would, like, look in the mirror and be like, who is this person? Yeah. Like, I was just 22. Yeah. yeah. Like, I still feel like I'm, like, in my early 20s. Like, what happened? Yeah. But, like, and it's, it's just so and I don't real. want to go back to that place.
0: <laughs> Do not take me back to my early 20s. <laughs> <laughs> I will not go back there. I know. You know it's, it was, it's, it was it's a It's a rough patch yeah. you know, for
1: everyone. Uh, kind of switching up a little mm-hmm. bit, what did what was your desire? What made you decide this is what I wanted to get into?
2: Oh, that's an interesting story. Um, well... There was a lot of family pressure. So I'm gonna be really honest. Everyone in my family has a doctorate. I am Uh-oh. the eighth doctor in my family. Oh, oh. My. So you guys just can <laughs> so we just take like one. Can we
1: just take a yeah, second yeah. and just recognize black, black excellence? excellence. <laughs> yes, yes, round of applause, round of yeah. applause, round of
2: applause.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Y'all you got good stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather, my uncles, my dad, my mom, like my cousins. So it's just there's a lot of um eight doctors? Yeah, just from yeah, my grandfather to my cousins, my my uncles and aunts. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's pretty impressive. Damn. And then like yeah. lawyers, we didn't include them. And the doctor count.
1: Ugh. So you guys are just successful as shit <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Just like, oh, so my husband basically just got real lucky yeah. to find me. Right. Got you. He is I, I see. super lucky. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so am I, so am I. But, um, and so, so a part of it was kind of like this um, family expectation because I really was always interested in the arts, but my parents were like, well, figure out what you can get a PhD in. And <laughs> no Damn. pressure. No pressure, none at all. So, so that was a part of it. And ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be a neurosurgeon. Like I was really into Ben Carson, <laughs> and, yeah, I was. Keyword were
1: you were really into yeah, Ben I Carson? Was. Okay, okay. Cool. And he's Just...
2: actually a family friend, and I can still say past tense. I was really into oh, ben okay. Oh. Ben, I'm 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 sorry,
1: sorry Ben, but I'm but not ben, sorry.
2: Sorry, yes. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah. About that, he did that to himself. He he did. He did. Yeah, sorry, not sorry. Um, and so 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 that was kind of like built into me. I really wanted to be, you know, this neurosurgeon, and I was really into like brain science and chemistry, and I went to like the King Drew used to have this summer program mm-hmm. where you show up in a little doctor's coat and you get to like do like practical exams and cut open pigs and and do like like it was really so interesting. it was serious yeah. it was very hands on like you were learning like hardcore science and um it was an amazing program I'm really sad they don't do it anymore and um and specifically focused on like African American youth and mm-hmm. excellent and um and so then I get to, to college and I was a bio major with a psych minor and my bio scores just weren't as great. Yeah. <laughs> To be really honest, they were, I, mean, I was good. I probably could have made it. I was starting to go on interviews. And then we had, um, at my undergrad, we had a uh, cadaver. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where we could do for our AMP um, anatomy and physiology labs. And so I would, we would like sneak in there in the middle of the night and like check out the cadaver and like do extra work. I know, we're uh, so creepy. Like, nope, nope. Yeah, <laughs> this is and, strange. And she was trans. And this was back in, like, 2004. Uh And so it was, like, more rare to, like, get a chance to, like, kind of work with someone that was trans, male to female. And so I was really interested. And all my friends were really focusing on, like, the concrete, like, facts. Like, what was going on? What did we, what did they do? And I was really, really, I would say almost obsessed with her nail polish. Her nail polish was, like, really messed up, Mm -hmm. right? And I was, like, clearly she cared so much about her appearance and like Mm -hmm. you can tell like she had breast dog and like it was really good. All the work was really good. And so I was thinking what happened in the last few months of this woman's life that caused her to not pay attention? Like was she sick? Was she depressed? Was she under stress? And that's when I was like, oh my gosh, I should be a psychologist.
0: Right.
2: I was like, I don't think the the biological science is where I want to be. I really want to work with like why people make the decisions that they make, Mm -hmm. why they end up where they end up, helping them like create the life that they want. And that was just so much more interesting to me. And then at that moment, I, like, switched my major to psych with a chemistry minor. And I never looked back. That sounds amazing. So a cadaver
1: led Mm -hmm. you to deciding to to get a PhD in psychology.
2: Mm -hmm. I, I love that.
0: I think that that's actually really special. That's a special story. I, When I was younger, I wanted to be a therapist, and then I was told, you don't want to deal with other people's problems today, and then so, that was the end of it. Like, that are like, I'm done. That was the end. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess not, but that's not where my heart was. My mm-hmm. heart was that I wanted to help people, and I think that's ultimately why we ended up with this platform, because we wanted to help people navigate relationships to the best of our ability, but we don't say we're experts, it's just...
2: And there's so many different ways to help. Like, because people, not everybody needs to sit in a therapist's office. Not everyone needs to go to the doctor every day. Like, people need relationship. Like, the number one most important thing, like, when you look at studies of why therapy works, 70% of the change people have in therapy is because of the relationship they have with their therapist. Interesting. It is all about relationship. Interesting. And so if you just have positive relationships with the people around you, you love on them, you pour into them, people will do better. Like That's what we've, we've like evolved as people to need each other.
1: Novel concept. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you would think <laughs> that, <love> <laughs> right. that being nice and, and loving each other and treating each other with respect and kindness would lead to a much better society. But hey, <clears throat> who knows? So I, I
0: it's more about having a safe space. Mm-hmm. Than Absolutely. anything, more than anything else.
2: Because there's always fights in the mental health world. Like people are like, oh, psychoanalysis is the best therapy. No, CBT is the best therapy. No, you know, human centered is the best. And, and when it really comes down to it, no matter what therapeutic modality you use, no matter, you know, like obviously you want a therapist that knows what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah. really it's about the relationship that that therapist forms with you. And if they don't form a relationship and they're sitting behind a piece of paper the entire time, mm-hmm. you don't connect to them. Mm-hmm. And it can be difficult for you to actually feel loved and cared for and supported. And this is your space. We call it the phenomenological space. It's a space that won't exist anywhere else or at any other time. This is a place, uh, something that is only between the two of us in this moment. And it may never, ever be the same. And we have to like utilize it. Right. And it's such a beautiful thing to feel like 100% cared for. It's very rare that you have a moment when that's all about you in your life. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But therapy is all about you.
1: I'm a I'm a therapy newbie. I did not realize that there was more than one type of therapy. Oh my God. What type oh, yeah. of therapy there's do you specialize in? And then just to, in, on an educating standpoint, what are the other forms of therapy? I said, I am very new to
2: this. Oh, there's so many forms of therapy. Yeah. So there's what we call, there's three waves of therapy. There's the first wave, which is like Freud psychoanalysis like and that stuff it takes like years and you go into therapy like multiple times a week it's great but uh, not everyone can always do it so they have okay. like time limited psychoanalysis now like which is you only have a few th- sessions and you, you get things done in those ti- in that time then there's a second way which is therapies like Gestalt which um, a lot of them also came from Germany. And these therapies are based a lot on like science, neuroscience. They're really great, but um and now we're in what we call the third wave, which probably the type of therapy that you had is okay. called cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. We also call it CBT, and that's a type of therapy that I do. Okay. I do cognitive behavioral and dialectical behavioral Dialectical is kind of based in like Eastern, I need like you to Buddhism. This a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> CBT. You can't just be throwing words. I know. I'm just throwing all these facts. I'm sorry. <laughs> so CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. What we do is we are looking at your thoughts and how they lead to your behaviors. Okay. Yes. And we're helping people become more aware of the things that they think throughout the day because the perspective is that every action that you have is a result of a thought that you had.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And if you're not aware of the thoughts, then you can't change your behaviors. Correct. Right? And so, yeah. if you have an issue, something that you really want to change and you want to fix, we have to make you aware. So, we have you do a lot of thought journals yeah. where you start to like go through your day and like write down, like, what happened? Mm-hmm. What did I think about? What happened? What emotion came from that? And what action came from that emotion? Mm-hmm. And then that is like a cycle. Because mm-hmm. then your actions can impact your environment even more. Yeah. And your environment is what impacts the way you think. Yeah. And your so cycle is so it is a
1: complete loop. Yes. That's just on
2: And so, yeah. the place that we get in and we stop it is so the event and the environment. And then the thought between that, everyone has a different interpretation of the event. Okay. So a person could walk in this room right now, and all three of us could see the same person, but we could interpret it all differently. Okay. Mm-hmm. I could interpret it as being scary, you could interpret it as being interesting, and you could interpret it as being boring. And, it could, and that's all based on our own personal life experiences. Mm-hmm. So the interpretation is where, as therapists, we really dig in and help you kind of like dig in and understand, like, why do you interpret things like this consistently? Mm-hmm. So let's sit down, let's understand what we call core beliefs, which are like we're as children, we're kind of given this concept of who we are. Mm-hmm. Our families, they don't mean to do it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, but they accidentally sometimes will give you this conceptualization that maybe you're not lovable.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe you're not strong. Maybe you're super strong. Maybe you're super caring. You know, but we have these positive and negative core beliefs that we sit with and they kind of function like like sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Like clearly the world isn't the color of the glasses that you're wearing. Definitely. These are the lenses with which you see the world. And so you interpret everything through them. Right. And so that's CBT. And then I also do DBT, which is a therapy based on kind of like Buddhism, mindfulness, focusing like focusing on the current moment, understanding the current moment so you can change your future. And then in Changing Your Future, we teach people basically the point of emotions and what they're for. And then mm-hmm. we teach people how to deal with distress, mm-hmm. to sit with it. And what does it feel like to be in distress, to not do anything about that distress and just be there. And then now, like, how do you deal with people? Right. So that's basically DBT in a very, very, they're like, distilled. <laughs> amount, for sure. <laughs> sit with stress.
1: <laughs> you know what I liked about that? And in, in hearing you explain it, I've never had anyone sit down and explain therapy in in such a way. You did the top of the show very nicely, and then you just did it again. And just by listening to that, it's hard for me, and I think I'd be interested to hear what other people thought, too, to listen to that and have a negative feeling towards it. But yet, that is our, our, our constant state of being when we think about therapy. But I'm just sitting here listening like, man, this all sounds
0: You can't really say it's good. a bad uh, idea. Yeah,
1: I'm just sitting here like, man, should I start journaling? Or should yes. I write yes. things down? Like, yes. I'm having all these thoughts I'm just so listening glad you to it, cause you I'm these explain. are all things that
0: I've been telling. Like, you yeah. should... Because this is the thing is also I've noticed that when you go through therapy, I don't know who I'd be if I didn't, first of all. Mm. <laughs> I think it, it has... I'm a different person. I'm a completely different person. I handle stress different. I handle anxiety different. Mm-hmm. I, uh, even depression, everything. And I know how I've identified triggers in my life. Like, I've done so much work on myself. What I've noticed, though, is that there's, the, the majority of people out there are not doing that work. And they don't even mm-hmm. know to do it. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it starts to feel like, not that there's not a place for you, but you know when you're doing better and you can see people struggling, you try to tell them the thing that made you better and they don't want it. But I think for me, for my motivation with Justin was more like, we're sharing a household. And then it, got, it kind of just got to the apex of like, all right, dude. You got it, because I was doing all my work on myself, and he was doing none. And not because he's lazy or mm-hmm. anything, he just, he doesn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. So how could he? Mm-hmm. So I, I think what I'm most excited about with his journey is for him to have the tools and for me to have the tools and see what that does for our marriage. And then hopefully we could go out and be of service
2: uh, to, to others. Absolutely. I've, I'm always talking to my husband about going to therapy, too, and he hasn't yet gone. And I am like, and I do not do therapy on him or with him. No, of like he always not thinks yet. I'm doing it. He's like, "You're like taking therapist voice." You're like
1: this, this is a <laughs> you're conversation. Like, actually, I'm just trying to talk. yeah.
2: yeah. I'm like, no, <laughs> we're just having a conversation. But um, I think that like with black men, I think there is kind of this, um, and I think with people in general too, that there's this fear of having to admit that you're wrong, mm-hmm. that you didn't do something right. You know, and it's not this right or wrong situation. It's that we all have to go to people sometimes. Like I don't know anything about my car. It makes a weird noise, <laughs> yeah. and I, I'm not admitting that I'm wrong by taking my car to the mechanic. Yeah. I'm just like, this isn't my job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's not what I'm good at. I don't know about right. this. I don't know. So if you have, like, a weird noise in your mind, like, if your car was banging, mm-hmm. you should go in and ask somebody, like, yo, I've been feeling kind of down lately. Mm-hmm. Can you help me? And then you get to a point where, like, like I have a therapist. Mm-hmm. I am totally obsessed with her, and I didn't go to her for two years. But then maybe about a month ago, I had, like, some symptoms come back. I was starting to have, like, dreams, like, nightmares again. And so I, I called her up, and I was like, you know, can I get, like, a checkup?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. And I came in, and she did this, like, new therapy that I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And it changed everything. Yeah. Like, absolutely everything. What was the therapy? For? It's called EMDR. EMDR. Yeah. So it's so it's eye – so it's, like, this rapid eye movement disorder. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, not disorder, t- treatment. So it's um eye movement – repetitive desensitization therapy Mm -hmm. so basically like you hold these little buzzers Mm -hmm. and you focus on whatever your trauma was and you're like kind of meditating and you hold these buzzers and like your right handle buzz your left handle buzz right hand left hand and so you kind of like get into almost like a hypnotic state Mm -hmm. you focus on the trauma you dig in and then your body starts to respond to the trauma in the way that you responded when the trauma happened What? what it was nuts it was i had never like and i am really aware of myself yeah. mm-hmm. and so i've been going to therapy for years for this trauma like mm-hmm. 10 years like a long time. So this is deep. Deep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. deep, <laughs> deep, deep. Yeah. Right. And 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 because like you know and we all know the, like the study. So basically, trauma doesn't really sit in our memories the way other memories do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because trauma sometimes for for a lot of people, it's so uncomfortable that you do this thing called dissociate. Yep. You leave your body. You don't want to be present anymore because your body's not a safe place, and you're like, forget it. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. And so you're so you don't remember those traumatic memories in the same way as if you were present. Mm-hmm. So your body remembers them. Yeah. It's in your muscles, it's in your hips, it's in your legs, it's in your stomach, it's in your arms. And so you can't really access like how do you access memories in your Mm -hmm. stomach? Mm -hmm. And so what this does is it gets you to like this place of calm where you can actually tap into it. It was nuts. And and she even and like you do like a few different cycles of this, and then like you um so you do a cycle, maybe a 30 seconds long, then you talk about it with her, then you do another cycle, then you talk, then you do another cycle and I kept my eyes closed the entire time. And like, I had these experiences where I felt almost like I was floating. Like when I meditate, sometimes I feel kind of like dizzy and weird Mm -hmm. that was happening. It was just, I was seeing like lights and all this stuff and I was totally overwhelmed, but I stuck with it. I didn't leave it. And then I left her office and I went home that night. i had never slept that well in maybe 20 years. Oh, geez. Oh I, I had had a lot of blockages like I had some just I was like you know like diff- typical like anxieties about yeah. like am I good at this like mm-hmm. should I keep doing this should mm-hmm. I do what I want should I do what they want like mm-hmm. it was gone nice I was just and I realized like a lot of it was really based on kind of like this trauma that I had that I was allowing to like k- cause me to second guess myself mm-hmm. and to be and to feel guilty about things that I shouldn't feel guilty about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to be uncomfortable and I was like I need to tell the entire world about EMDR. Yeah, I'm like I don't even do it. Like it is not the therapy that I do, but I'm like, I think if anyone has a trauma, I think this is like one EMDR. of a, a treatment they should definitely try. Oh my gosh! Okay, and what would I'm really you get information on this?
1: Yeah, out that, here that, too. Is, that is very. I need to I, write
2: this down. See, I'm <laughs> not a,
1: I'm not a meditator. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure that would be which is it was, it was so bad. Mm-hmm. I, I got no, I have a lot of steps it's not, to, no so to, yeah. to self healing, you're as, learning, as they say. I am learning. <laughs> yeah. What would you What would you say are like good practices for everyday people to just incorporate in their daily or their weekly schedule? Like for me, I don't journal. I don't meditate. I don't know how to relax. So I have, <laughs> like, I have. Like,
0: it's like, it's so bad. I mean, and I know a lot of people like this. It's, it's an inability to get quiet. Mm-hmm. And also people are kind of unsettled by their own thoughts, I think. They just rather not be alone with them. So yeah. we, what would your advice yeah. be I don't
1: I don't, I don't, I don't, I literally don't know how to do it. If you said, "Just, I need you to sit for 30 minutes and like not touch anything mm-hmm. in your own home. like That, to me, sounds harder than climbing Mount Everest.
2: No, literally. You'd probably experience what we call monkey mind, where oh. when you get quiet, your mind thinks every single thought it could ever think, and Correct. then it starts to go down this rabbit hole of, like, I'm going to become homeless, and then horrible <laughs> things are going to happen to me, and I'm going to be addicted to heroin. <laughs> so yeah. one of the things I would recommend, when it comes to like mindfulness and meditation, I think that it is something that is fundamentally so important. But when you, and when you look at brain scans of people who are meditating, they are in what we call alpha brain, so right now we're all in, in beta brainwave, mm-hmm. and when you meditate, you enter alpha. You would think it would be alpha beta, but no, beta right now, alpha, and then delta and theta. And so you enter, you have the same brainwaves when you're praying. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you know how to pray, you know how to meditate. They are they are neurologically the same thing. So you do meditate. Interesting.
1: I, interesting, yeah, I yeah, I do because I am a hell of a, say, a prayer. Right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so it's the same thing, but with um and with meditation, just the focus tends to be a little different. Where maybe you're focusing on a mantra of something you want to do that day. So like, um, like, even before I came here, I meditated. I was like, be charming, be enlightening, be supportive. <laughs> yeah. Be charming, be enlightening, be supportive. You are those things, <laughs> <saints>. it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! So, um, but I do think a daily meditation is really important and it can be something as simple as um, a walking meditation. So you take a breath in and you take a step, you take, you take a breath out. And so with each step, you just breathe in and breathe out. You just do it as you go to your car. Walking meditation. You've done it. You meditated today,
1: yeah. And so that's yeah. In with a step,
2: out with another step. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes I, I take really deep breaths. So sometimes I'll um, I'll breathe in for four seconds as okay. I'm walking, and then I'll breathe out for four seconds as I'm walking, and I'll just kind of focus on.
0: And can we talk oh, about two, three, the importance of breath? What does breath do? To mm-hmm. to actually, what what does it do to your brain chemistry? What does it do mm-hmm. for you in general? What are the benefits of breath? Because I think that's another
2: thing that people absolutely vastly... One, it overlook. ties you to the present moment because it is something that you can only do now. You can't breathe tomorrow because it's, it's, it, it's just yeah, going to happen. breath is right. in its current you're, state. You're only breathing now. So focusing on your breath ties you to the present moment. Okay. And one thing that when you're anxious, you tend to be really worried about something that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. But when you focus on your breath, you help yourself realize that it's not happening now. So even if your boss has called you to their office and you know they're going to say something that you're not going to like, they're not saying it right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right now, you're focused on your breath and you're in a safe space. You're walking down the hall and that's it. So that's one thing. It increases mindfulness. And on the other side is that when you're anxious or when you're depressed or when you're having a negative thought, people tend to breathe from their chest. Mm -hmm. And they tend to breathe really fast or they tend to not breathe at all. It's like one or the other. Some people hold their breath, and some people have this really rapid breath. And so when you take these like diaphragmatic breaths, these, mm-hmm. these belly breaths, like where you expand your stomach and you release it, you're more so mimicking the breathing that you have when you're sleeping at night. When you're sleeping, you're not breathing like... Yes, it's that full... Uh, yeah. Right, yep. that relaxing like, sleep. So you're telling your body and your parasympathetic nervous system, like, take care of me, calm me down. And so you're basically you're really forcing your body to hit the brake,
1: mm-hmm.
2: gosh. Gotcha. Because your body can't hit the brake and the gas at the same time, right? And so you're telling yourself like, take your foot off of the gas and hit the brake. And so you're you're, you're able to control yourself. And so it can decrease levels of stress because we all know that stress is like super toxic. Right. Yes. Like I could go into that, but maybe I should come back later for that. Kind of right. <laughs> yeah, I'd actually, do, I, <laughs> do, I do want to hear. I do want
3: to
1: wanna about hear stress. about that because yeah. stress is a major thing.
2: Yeah. Like literally, so stress is a. There's hormones that cause us to be. Under stress. They're called glucocorticoids. And they include things like adrenaline and cortisol. And one of the uh, things, so basically, um, whether you believe in evolution or not, back in the day when we were like living as nomads, Mm -hmm. we... um, Lived in groups because it was safer. Because humans are not very good on their own. We're not like bears or lions. We really right.
1: I'm one of those. Right. Yeah. I,
2: I, I couldn't build a house, so I need somebody to do that. Correct. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's why I don't camp. So I yeah, understand. Right, right. No camping, right? No,
2: no camping. Too, she, too real for me. Too, she, it's too real. Yeah. I want to, but
0: also I'm afraid of bears. Like I think it's like I'm, I want to be in nature. I right. crave the the solace of the stars and yeah. just like being one with the earth, but also like survival.
2: Bears. I'm, yeah, I'm good with that. I just need <laughs> to be in a cabin. Right. Yeah. Like,
1: I'm good with that, but I'm just not I need to be able tent.
2: to lock the mountain lion out. That's Correct. how I protect yeah. myself. Oh, okay. right. mountain lion. For right? <laughs> so, so when you think of a mountain lion, right, that's, so your brain's like, uh-oh, mountain lion. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. So it, it triggers, there's a lot of things that happen. Your pituitary releases hormones to your, you know, to your adrenal glands and tells you, oopsies, you have to run. Or mm-hmm. it's, we call it fight, flight, freeze. Mm-hmm. So either you fight, or maybe you just run away. Yep. Or you don't know what to do because maybe the situation's kind of ambiguous and you just stand there and you're like, Ugh. I've never heard freeze before. Yeah, yeah. Just fight, and I've fight or witnessed flight.
0: freeze yes. a lot. I'm like, yes.
2: why aren't you guys moving?
0: Uh, okay, that's yeah. that's
2: great. And Go ahead. Continue. I like to base it on proximity of threat. Like mm-hmm. I feel like you fight if the threat's too close for you to run away. You fly if the threat's far enough that you can see it, so you can get out of there. And you freeze if you don't if it's indeterminate and you're not sure if it's a threat yet. Mm. You're kind of like, I don't. I can't make a decision. I don't know right. what to do. But um, that's not for everyone. But um, so you have this, so it it triggers this fight-flight-freeze response, which causes your heart rate to go up. It causes your, like, you don't produce insulin as much, you crave certain foods because when you're running for your life away from Mongol hordes or lions or tigers right <laughs> mm-hmm. you need to eat food that you can burn quickly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that isn't heavy like it has to be light food so that's why you end up craving things like donuts and cupcakes and carbohydrates and and french fries mm-hmm. and things that are fast burning foods mm-hmm. so when you're under stress that's and that's and it's totally appropriate when your stress is for a very short amount of time Mm-hmm. Right, and then like your body does a number of other things when it's under stress. So I, t- I mentioned insulin. I mentioned reproduction. Um, reproductive, re- reproductive si- your reproductive situation slows down mm-hmm. because if you're running away from a Mongol horde, the last thing you need to do is get pregnant. Right. Being pregnant while under stress is 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 will be dangerous to your sense of mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. And so this is what your body does to protect you. But in our modern society, our stressors are more permanent. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with yes. these chronic stressors yes. that are kind of, they're small, but they build, and they mm-hmm. build, and they build, and it's traffic, and it's, you know, the electricity, and it's like the noise, it's the the gardeners, it's yep. like every little tiny thing. It's your boss, it's the expectations of your family, it's, you know, kids, it's, should I have them? Should I? You know, so you have these these all these stresses, so your body's responding to the question of, why haven't you had kids yet? As if a lion ran into the room. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Because it doesn't know the difference. Right.
1: Interesting. Your
2: body doesn't know the difference between a mongrel horde and a conversation with your grandma over Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And so we're putting stress is stress, stress. And, 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 and these hormones are actually cytotoxic so they can actually damage brain cells. So like they, so it's like, it's stress is so bad and we're under it every single day constantly. And so that's one thing that deep breathing, mindfulness, meditation, prayer, can kind of tamp down because we really need to focus on Mm -hmm. tamping all of these natural things that are here to protect us, Mm -hmm. but that cause hypertension, Mm -hmm. diabetes, Mm -hmm. even cancers are stress-related. Like These are all stress-related disorders. The disorders that we're seeing people suffering from are are things that are because are mostly as a result of stress.
1: Mm-hmm. Man, now I'm sitting here. I'm feeling every ache in my body. I'm like, hell, I need to <laughs> that's just calm I my say. stress. I need kill to kill you. calm everything down. It is will. this is what everybody's telling me? I'm just like, Listen, shit, Now you know shit. I work
0: so hard. <laughs> I
1: am fast tracked into death with, with my done. behaviors. Hell, yeah. Oh. just like I got to bring this down. I'm not. I'm not good at it. But I, I'm. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna. I'm gonna work on it. Because that's the way you you describe it. It just sounds so peaceful. And I'm like, damn, my life is not sounding <laughs> anything like this peace. Than which you were describing.
2: Yeah. Well, and my most, life's not our, bad. Wow. Most of our lives aren't peaceful, right? It's like, that's why you have to find moments of peace. You have to like wrangle them. I actually have a, a, um, an app that I use and it like reminds me to meditate. So like mm-hmm. sometimes it'll just like pop up and I'll just stop whatever I'm doing and just go... Hmm and then get back to what I was doing Mm -hmm.
1: just that that quick moment
2: it just kind of lowers it lowers your cortisol just for like a moment Mm -hmm. so then you can kind of like recollect yourself and then go back to what you're doing and now you're like refreshed it's kind of like charging your batteries like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't never charge your phone and then get mad at your phone for being dead it's like you have to charge it right this is how we charge ourselves this is how humans charge damn like you make you make this sound
1: so simple, and I have fought for so long, and I,
2: and, and, I and I want
1: to, and literally the, the the analyst in me wants to just poke holes at everything. There's no hope. and I'm like. I can't really poke holes no, in this then, but what's gonna happen which is I'm setting myself up for it is now Joy is gonna be like so you you already had the conversation so you know what it he looks like it. Right. so Thank I don't you. want to hear it so this is I can already <laughs> just, I just play the feel, tape back
0: no I'm not gonna beat you up for it but it's just it's really refreshing and I mean she's a professional so I'm like she's saying things that I have said like that but that means that I've done my homework mm-hmm. not that I just yeah. I did not just know these things I've been immersed for like the past six years now so mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. it's been six years since I I've really been focusing on mental health, diving in, figuring out all that I need to figure out because I noticed I'm like, I don't think this is how I want to live my life. Mm-hmm. Something's not right. I'm not enjoying this and it's unnecessarily hard. And not and from the inside
2: out, mm-hmm. not from the outside in. So I'm thrilled Indeed. to be having
0: this conversation. Yeah, yes.
2: inside out. That's I think that's a good point too. Cause I think that we tend to think that happiness comes from outside. Mm-hmm cars, money, people, all this stuff, but it really comes from inside. Mm-hmm. Like, like pleasure comes from outside. Mm-hmm. Like, that yeah. momentary, like, dopaminergic, like, dopamine release, like... Right. But that real, like, joy, like, that stable joy is something that we develop by understanding ourselves, and that's something that's much more calm, it's much more consistent and more mm-hmm. focused, and it does come through doing the work
3: mm-hmm.
2: and, like, understanding yourself and how you work and what you want to do and, like, really finding purpose. Yes.
0: And how,
1: how do you balance that that mindful state
0: mm-hmm.
1: when you're constantly talking with people who are bringing to you problems? How have you been able to say, se- okay, I can separate this work and deal with it in the moment, but once they leave, I find a way to release it so it does not negatively impact me on a day-to-day basis?
2: I'm going to be 100% transparent. I haven't been doing therapy for a while now. Mm. I took a break.
1: Because of that? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Um, because I worked with a population of girls that I loved so, so much but it was really hard. I was working in a uh, a residential facility, so it's like a fully locked facility where these adolescent males and females were living. And with a, a there was a psych hospital on the facility and most of the kids were sex trafficked. Mm. And there was something about that experience like and I loved I loved these clients. Mm-hmm. But there was something about that experience that was so heavy for me. Of course. Hearing these stories and these are these are 12-year-old girls, 13-year-old girls, oh. LA girls, you know, girls from like, you know, people from like the whole western region. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kidnapped off the street. Like, some of the stories are, are absolutely heartbreaking. And from when I left that, um, that position, I was, I was, I was hurt, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I took a few months off, and, um, and then I went back into working into a, in a men's prison. And it kind of, like, re-traumatized me all over again because it's course. the same stories. Yeah. Oh. Like, it's the same exact stories. And once you realize the things that people have been through, like, your, your ability to judge people, just melts away. Mm-hmm. Like, all you have for them is empathy. Mm-hmm. All you have for them is love. All you have for them is support. And and, and so I, because um, what I used to do when I was seeing clients, I would kind of like, you know, like typical like, people who are just kind of coming in with like typical problems. Mm-hmm. I would do like mindfulness practices to my car. That was always my thing. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Like I would park really far from the office and I would like take a walk and I would like look at the things around me. And on the elevator, I would count all the stairs and the flights and all of that. And like, it really worked. Yep. But that like specific job, There was no amount of mindfulness for me that that helped me in that position. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and other people that worked there had their own ways. But for me, it was I had to create distance. Mm -hmm. And then I had to, and that's when I started doing uh, creative consulting.
1: Because mm-hmm. you had to, you yeah, had to find that, that mm-hmm. separation. I understand. That. That's, I mean, that's heavy, and that was that's mm-hmm. always been my concern. Is that I don't know how I could listen to someone bring you such mm-hmm. stressful, heartbreaking stories, and you just listen to it, you digest this on it, whether it's a daily, a weekly, a monthly basis, and then you just go back into life, living like, yeah, everything is yeah. is fine. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't imagine. So I appreciate your your mm-hmm. transparency and showing that because I, I couldn't imagine. like I, I know what it feels like just by having the stressors as you talk about the daily stressors of the world. Mm-hmm. But then- that on with some actual real shit, yeah. It's yeah. like,
2: Ugh! yeah, <laughs> that's right. hard. I think, and I think it was, it was a, I had to have like a paradigm shift and really change the way that I like managed my life. Like the way, like when I came home, like I had to have a moment of like silence, like some mm-hmm. quiet, you know. And um, it also helped having a lot of friends that are also in mental health. Mm-hmm. So we would like get together and we would like talk about things and support each other. And I've worked him um, classically, I've worked at hospitals. So I think this was also a change for me, working in a, a, a residential is a little different than a hospital. Right. And when you're in a hospital, you have a lot of support from, like, because you, you have people who are, like, supervisors, and then mm-hmm. there's other people who work in, like, like maybe social work or psychiatry or, or MDs. And so you all get a chance to share. Mm-hmm. And that was, there was a lot of support. You have like a lot of teams. And this facility was a little different. Everyone was kind of like doing the exact same thing. Okay. And so we were all kind of stressed out and overwhelmed.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can understand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so now you've transitioned for now into the creative consulting. Mm-hmm. How has your background in psychology influenced your creative consulting?
2: I think that basically it has influenced every single piece of it. And I wanted to work initially with individuals. Like that was always my focus and working with like scripts and screenplays. Like I've helped a few um, writers to like turn their scripts into something that is kind of like psychologically consistent. Okay. So to create like a plot arc based on a trauma model and like what would it look like? And so that was just so, that was like so freeing for me when I did that for the first time. I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this every day. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm not going back to what I was doing before. So, um, so that is one way that it's worked. And then working with individuals, like I, I kind of like help people with like strategizing their lives. Mm-hmm. So, as a therapist, I felt like I was helping people survive, and as a consultant, I feel like I'm helping them thrive. Mm. Nice. And so it's, it's kind of like people who are, the, the type of people that I typically work with are, because clearly as a consultant, I'm not working with people who are suicidal. For sure. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't have, I'm not hospitalizing you. I'm not your therapist. This is mm-hmm. definitely not therapy. It's 100% different. And I have to like make that really clear. Mm-hmm. But I'm just getting you to a point where now we're like really focused on your goals.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Like let's, let me teach you how to make these really concrete goals. Mm-hmm. Let's get them like, this is how we go about like systematically attacking this and like dealing with it. So it's a little coachy. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like life coachy. Yeah.
0: And then I like, saw ooh. your uh, pros and cons. I wanna oh, go over that your pros
2: and cons. That was wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, do you want to break it down for our audience? Oh yeah. I I do this like super intense pros and cons list yeah. where um I fold a piece of paper in like to four pieces, with the uh, the top piece of paper being the pros and cons, because there's two boxes, the pros and cons of doing something, and then the bottom are the pros and cons of not doing something. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's something so amazing about being redundant. Mm-hmm. In that cause sometimes the pro of doing something is not the same as the con of not doing it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. There are some things That's true. They're not they're not necessarily the same.
2: Yeah, yeah, like you know, like do I take this job? Here's the pros and cons of taking it, here's the pros and cons of not taking it. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I, I like to take people another step where now you go in and you look at each bullet point and you think like on a scale of one to ten how important is this thing to me? What is the value of this thing? Because sometimes you have a really long list, but all of them are really not that important. And Mm -hmm. if you just look at the length of the list, you might think that like, oh, this is the decision I need to make. Mm. But they're really inconsequential things to you. But then there's maybe a list that has like three things on it, but those are like the most important things to you. Mm -hmm. So I have them go through one to 10, and then at the bottom of each box, just tally it up. And then that's that's your answer. Possibly the answer you can
0: yeah. Make. Yeah. right Right. That's brilliant. So, that would be you. an example of what mm-hmm. you do in your creative uh, consulting sessions. Mm-hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So,
1: there's no limit to how many things you can write down in each of these quadrants? Yeah. Nope. So, you just say, write what you want and then rank. Yep. That I like that it's idea. Genius. It, it, it is very, and, I, and Joy and I were talking about it last night because you know, we have some decisions that we need to make. Mm-hmm. And you're just sitting here I'm like, man, I've really never kind of thought about looking at it in, in that lens. So I'm actually looking forward. Oh, I'm no, going to yeah. print out your article. The two there. PDFs yeah. that you posted yeah. in the article. I'm going to print those out and, and just give it a try and see. But see, the scary thing about that is once you tally everything up and you see your total is the, the box of what yeah. you need to do and you're just sitting there like, uh, what But here's do? the thing, and this is what I always
0: say, is that when you know better, you have to do better. And that's just, that's the thing. And it is scary, but I mean, also it's freeing. You know better,
2: do mm-hmm. better. Yeah, and then you, you commit to it, you execute it, but then if it's not working... You go back. You do it again. You do it again. Yeah. You start over. Like, you know, there's no, you don't lose at this game of life. You know what I'm saying? Like, as long as you're alive, there's always opportunity to change. Mm-hmm. That's real. That's beautiful.
1: And now you, you, you mentioned that you don't do, you're married. Mm-hmm. You don't do therapy with your husband. He has not <laughs> gone yet, but he always claims, or at least he yeah, says like, that you're, you're doing a, a little something on him. How has, how has your experience and your background impacted your marriage?
2: I think that all of our experiences and backgrounds impact our marriage whole, like in, entirely. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, I like my experience with being like a mental health professional, yes. or just my life, Oh experience. Um, being health. a
1: mental health professional, okay. how has that impacted okay. you?
2: I think for the for the better and for the worse, because in some circumstances, like he does accuse me of doing therapy, and sometimes I am. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you're being honest. He's
2: like, sometimes. Oh, don't listen to this, <laughs> <laughs> Aaron. I was never here. <laughs> 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 But um, yeah, so sometimes like actually like I am And I think that that is like it's uh, That's a piece of me that I have to work on too okay. mm-hmm. Because it can be almost seen as manipulative mm-hmm. And so I, I never want to be manipulative And he always has the right to make his own decisions And I can't sit up here and like overly like analyze And be like, well, according to the theory of Freud Yeah you know? right. <laughs> And yeah. so so I think that that's no, some of the, the negative ways And that sometimes you do and you are compelled to Utilize these things that you would be doing With someone who wants them to happen mm-hmm. Right, exactly Someone that doesn't Yeah uh, Because you see the problem. Exactly. I I see it. I'm like, come on. I can diagnose this. Let me fix this. Yeah. Yeah. But then on the other hand, um, what I think it's also done is it's made me um, much more patient because mm. Allison, the person, is not always, I've, that's not historically been one of my characteristics. <laughs> <sighs> patient, my yeah. worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, but Allison, the therapist, Allison, the clinician, is very patient.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: When I'm with a client, when I'm with a patient, so I am, yeah, I, am, I, I have like an endless resource for drama, mm-hmm. like non, just nonsense, shenanigans. Mm-hmm. The things, some of the things that people have said and done, like I've had clients that literally were like, I will not have a black therapist, will not work with you. And I've sat down and been like, let's talk about it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's, that's patient. Whereas let's in my real life, I might be like, what? Uh, yeah. like, yes. what, are you, what are you talking about? Yeah, hell so, no. So that's one thing I think in my relationship that it's helped is that sometimes when I know he's in a moment of like vulnerability, mm-hmm. maybe Allison, the person, would be like, get your shit mm-hmm. together. Yep. But Allison, the clinician, is like, like she turns on and she's like, let me love you. Let me support you. Like, mm-hmm. how, do we, how do we get Uh-oh. through this? Like, should I be quiet now and just listen to you and like hold you or what should I do? Mm-hmm. So, I think that there's there's pros and cons to it. That that's is funny. so that's
1: that is nice, but I can also imagine how stressful that is being in his position. Oh, like, yeah. damn it, I don't know. Am I gonna get? Am I gonna get my
2: wife's reaction today? <laughs> yeah.
1: Or am I get the clinician today?
2: Exactly. Th- that that is
1: wants tough. The clinician. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, it would actually yeah. be beneficial. How long have you guys been married?
2: We've been married a year and a half. March two thousand sixteen, yeah. Oh, so we we're just ahead of you. We got
1: married in was that August August
2: two thousand (laughs) fifteen.
1: I was just like, uh I'm about to say the wrong year.
2: I never remember. Like we were the worst. We don't we barely even celebrate our anniversary. We just never even remember anything. You're together and that's all that matters. We love each other. Yeah.
0: As long as you guys have (laughs) the same amount of value on that situation, then it's fine.
2: Exactly. We're just we're we're absent minded and we're very into the things that we're doing and we don't always pay attention to things outside of us like anniversaries. (laughs) Well, that
0: that that, that
2: works. Yeah. We try. I mean, if that works for you, then that is <laughs> wonderful.
0: I, I'm not that we're, we're we don't do much for our anniversary. We we did dinner. We we, we, we want to try to do a trip is what we've said like <sighs> and our thing on anniversaries is keep it a joint thing. I don't want him to like try to surprise me and I try to surprise him. It's like what do we want because yeah. it's our day. Yeah. So
1: that was your idea and I yeah. like that because I'm I've always had the thought okay let me take care of my wife let me spoil her let's do yeah. something and she's like no let's do this together and we almost didn't get our trip this year but we scrambled and pulled it together. <gasps> yeah. Congratulations. So, yeah, So we are going on on our trip in in December. So it is yeah. the last month yes. of the year. <laughs> But, but we, we, are, squeezing, we yeah. are squeezing it in because it is important to, to have that balance in, in marriage and you know, we've talked about it is mm-hmm. Joy is my wife but she's also my business partner mm-hmm. so it's like finding <laughs> that and you see how she says that mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: So, it's like Look, the business partner is the one who needs the trip. The life is okay. <laughs> the business partner is worn out. you know what <laughs> Look,
1: don't don't blame me, but I, all I say it is it's <laughs> important to have <laughs> to have that that balance within within a marriage.
0: There was one more thing okay, that I wanted great. to go over, and I because I think this is important while we have you here. I want to give people tool tools people dealing with depression because I mm-hmm. think depression is very common, yeah very common. And anxiety too, but depression is the one where it's sometimes hard to pick yourself up mm-hmm. and go get help. And people don't necessarily tell you to go get help because they think you're just sad. Or maybe you don't show it at all.
3: Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they don't
0: even, they're, there's not even an awareness that anything is wrong. So I think my goal of today also is to give some people some tools who may be listening to this and going through something and know that they're not quite all right, but mm-hmm. haven't yet sought help. What are some things that they can do and ways that they can get help. And maybe it's not therapy yet. Maybe mm-hmm. they ha- mm-hmm. haven't figured out how to do that. But yeah, what are some things they can do?
2: One thing with depression, I mean, I think I think pretty much everyone is kind of aware of the symptoms of depression. Mm-hmm. You know, sleep, disturbances, food, you know, people eat more, eat less, mm-hmm. sad mood, sad affect, difficulty mm-hmm. with motivation. Mm-hmm. And I think primarily some of the things that you can do, like, do the opposite of what you feel like doing. Mm-hmm. So if you're want to stay in bed all day and you know that that's something that brings you down, get out of bed. Even if you, you might not go and run a marathon, but put your foot on the floor, do more than you did yesterday, Mm -hmm. and, and then praise yourself for the success that you've had. Because people with depression, have what we call a decreased hippocampal density. Mm-hmm. So your hippocampus is the part of your brain that helps you encode and retrieve memories. Okay. And so when people have had like long-term depression, we've actually found that their hippocampus is a little smaller or like less dense than people who don't have depression. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually harder for them to remember positive things. Mm-hmm. They end up remembering negative things and actually focus on negative things more often. And it's, it's neurological. Mm-hmm. And so we want you to start retraining your brain mm-hmm. to focus on the things you do right. Mm-hmm. writing down, like, this is what I did well today. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's something small, I put on my pants today. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it yesterday, did it today. I called my best friend today. Mm-hmm. Like, I reached out for support, because that's also something that's so important, because mm-hmm. a huge part of depression is also isolating.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And the more you isolate, the worse you feel. Because mm-hmm. as humans, we need oxytocin. We need relationships. We need to be with other people. And so so doing trying to really do the opposite Even if it's for five seconds or five minutes, if you have a project that you're just too... um, Because I've heard a lot of my clients describe it as like a physical experience. It's this, this heaviness. You almost feel sick. Like, yes. Like a fog has come over you yes. and it's almost like, like, like you're sick without the sore throat, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, um, so pushing through maybe even for five minutes, taking a shower, doing something that you know that you enjoy that you haven't done maybe in a while. I mean, it can be something as simple as like reading a book that you liked or watching a show that always makes you laugh mm-hmm. or just anything to lift your mood. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And then obviously suicide is um, a suicidal thoughts is a symptom of depression. And if you're having suicidal thoughts, and obviously like that's another, that's different. Mm -hmm. then I think that that's at a point where you need to contact somebody. There's a number of suicide hotlines Literally on Google, even when you start typing in "suicide," like, yeah. they all pop up. Like, yeah. they all come up. Like, phone numbers will come up for suicide yeah. hotlines. Um, even Logic has, I think, the, 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 the title yeah. of the song is the suicide hotline. So I think people are very aware of that. And those are people that can, you know, help support you. And sometimes people do, you know, yeah. people who have, like, major depression and have been depressed for a long time and maybe have attempted suicide will require hospitalization. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, like, way on the other end. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no shame in it. I think that we really, as a society, need to be more accepting of if you needed to be hospitalized for a broken ankle and the one judges you for having a broken ankle. And we need to be much more accepting of people needing to go to the hospital for mental health issues as well. Mm, That's real. We really do. Because it's it's, it's just as detrimental and just as painful. It's just painful in a way that a lot of people can't understand or empathize with unless you've really been there. Mm -hmm. It's hard for people. Or unless you really know someone who's been there or you've helped somebody get through it, it's hard to empathize. So I think that that would kind of be the like the hierarchy mm-hmm. like you know. things you can do and mm-hmm. then on the
0: flip side what's something you can do as a person who is watching somebody go through depression what are tools that that person can use to support what's the best way to be the most beneficial support mm-hmm. you can be
2: mm-hmm. well like i said earlier 70 percent of change and, and and benefit really comes from just being there mm-hmm. just being supportive um sometimes you don't have to say anything Mm-hmm. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. Like even me, I'll have a friend that's going through something and I'll say like, I'm like, why don't I say that? That was the worst. Mm-hmm. So just being present if they're if they are not having a good day, preparing yourself to kind of sit in their sadness because mm-hmm. I think that's the hardest thing mm-hmm. for us to do as humans is we want to we take the sadness away.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We want to make it something else. We want to make it into joy. And sometimes it's just not going to be joy and that can actually be invalidating. Mm-hmm. When you're really in a bad space and you're just not feeling good but someone tells you, Smile, anyways, you'll Mm -hmm. be great, everything will be fine. It's like, Mm -hmm. F you, yeah, I'm miserable, (laughs) and this is where I'm at, this is just where I'm at, right? You know, and so sometimes it's just about being a safe space, Mm -hmm. you know. So, so I would say that, and then number two, burnout is real and if you're especially if you're if you're married to a person who's been depressed for a really long time or been anxious for a long time or has any mental health issues then you need to find a way to get your own support because mm-hmm. if you burn out then you're not going to be able to be there to help them and you mm-hmm. may start to resent them and so you really like it's that mask on the airplane thing right mm-hmm. like you have to put yours on before you can help anybody else because it's hard to save a drowning man if you too are drowning, are drowning
0: yeah.
2: and so i would say combination of be become comfortable with with their discomfort mm-hmm. And, and and understand that saving them from that isn't always the best thing. And sometimes you also just need to be thinking, like, do I need to reach out? Do I just go to psychology today and find a list of therapists and then bring it to my partner and say, like, are you interested? Like, these mm-hmm. are some people I found in our area. Or just hold them, make them their favorite meal, mm-hmm. you know, to try to do things to maybe make their life easier while they're going through what they're going through. Right. And now, we'll go ahead and go into Fishbowl. Okay. So, Fishbowl, for those of you who do
0: not know, is a, it's a fishbowl <laughs> with a bunch of random questions in it. Allison will pick three to five, depending on you know, the, how heavy the questions are. Some of okay. them are
2: you know, pretty light. Others are a little deep. So, go for it. Okay. What worries you most about the future? Kids. Yeah. Kids is something that really worries me. Like, am What's I going to be a great mom? Mm-hmm. Am I going to be able to... Um, like really raise them in a way to make them like conscientious members of the society and like people who love each other and like cuz I watch a lot of serial killer movies like documentaries like I'm really into serial killer that documentaries is not no. <laughs> <laughs> no no it's, it's like my she likes psychology yeah. though yeah, you're guilty she wants pleasure. To know why yeah. yeah and so I, like the thing i think about the most is like those parents
0: mm-hmm. like i think oh. about that now too actually that's interesting you said that
2: right like yeah. like how do you not raise a serial killer yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> a thought that's never crossed my mind. Right,
0: I but damn. Ha- make sure my kid doesn't get killed or by doesn't a get killed killer. too. Yes.
2: No. Yeah. Like the whole thing. Like so, I just feel like I, I really. I, so I'm thinking a lot about kids now because like we've been married for a little while, we're starting to have that conversation, mm-hmm. and so it's just like like are they? How are they going to fit into my life? Like because I want them, but like I want to be good for them, and so mm-hmm. I'm really trying to like that's one of the reasons I really went to therapy in the first place too, is I was like I need to be good.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I need to have me put together so that I can have these little kids and not like. T- Totally screw them up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to screw them up. We yeah. all screw, we are, them yeah, all yeah, kids, yeah, like, period.
0: and then they'll Fash. be having this conversation later too yes. about like mental health They're
2: like, <laughs> like mom and dad, I yeah. love
1: you, but, but
2: right, <laughs> yeah. 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 So that's uh, I think my biggest worry is really like, what am I gonna? How am I not gonna entirely ruin my kids? Yeah. I we're on the same page with that actually
1: yeah you're on that same page I'm not going to I
0: said
2: weird. Oh, weird. oh we I was like um, I thought yeah. you saying you're weird. you're the number one <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't blame me mm,
2: shoot denial uh, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly so gonna <laughs> like you're going to diagnose me real quick you're going to diagnose me real quick Ali needs to come hang out <laughs>
1: oh fair okay. enough fair enough yeah, no question fair. number two
2: other than money what else have you gained from your current job Um, I would say empathy understanding that every single person that you see has a story mm-hmm and if you understood every single person's story, you would not honk at them in traffic. You would not scream at them as they walk down the street or whatever. Like, you wouldn't be mad at people if you really understood and had empathy. I know. I was such a road
1: rager. Oh, I still am.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I really had to. I, I, I have my moments. Yeah. But I uh, I think that just like my empathy, I think, has grown exponentially mm-hmm. since working with like I, over the past like eight years of therapy. I think I've worked with almost 6,000 clients. Mm. And It's um, a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot of people to care about.
1: Mm-hmm. I was like, that's all I thought of. That's just a lot of weight to carry.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, but it shows sick. you how big
0: your heart can be. Like the capacity you have to care is so much deeper than anyone knows. I think
2: literally, there's no. I think there's no end to it. Like people right. say, well, I'm overwhelmed by social media. There's so much going on, and I'm like, you just got to figure out where to put it all. Mm-hmm. That's really what it is. Like by by all the things, because you can care about this issue and also care about that issue and mm-hmm. this one and that one. It's just about you might not be able to do anything about them all mm-hmm. right now, but you can care. But mm-hmm. I think yeah like understanding kind of like how big my heart has grown
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and how big like it already was and kind of like how, how all this empathy has like helped me really, relate better to people in my personal life as well.
1: All right, final question.
2: Who have you hurt the most in your life and have you apologized? You know what? I would say the person I've probably hurt the most in my life is my little sister.
1: Have you apologized?
2: Yes, I apologize to her profusely all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but from her perspective, I don't apologize right. And so I think that um, as an older sibling, sometimes you um, take this perspective that, like, you're not a bad person. Because I think that we all want to think that we're good people and that we do good things and that the people that we hurt are just weak. And I, uh, and, and I, I noticed that in myself because I would always tell her, like, you're just being a whiner. Like, stop whining. Like, what's wrong with you? And, and really what it was is I wasn't always super nice to her. I felt like she was telling on me and tattling. I didn't want her around. And so I wasn't very welcoming. And so we kind of, like, built this chasm between us because of that and so I think that I'm at a point in my life now where I'm trying to bridge the chasm because I know I have to be the one to do it because I was the one to harm the relationship in the beginning yeah. and so I think that I would definitely say my because my, there's three of us the one right in the middle I would say definitely my relationship with her is something that I have to actively work on and I have to understand that it is my responsibility Is it getting better? I would say it is good. Yeah, Oh good
1: Well, very nice. Well, Allison, thank you so much for joining us today. We really, really appreciate the conversation. And as Joy and you have also said that mental health is a topic that needs to be discussed much, much, much more frequently. And to you listeners, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Married Millennials. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and share it with your friends. And as always, let's keep the conversation going online. You can head over to our website, lovejays.com. You'll see all of our social media icons right there at the top of the page.
0: Thanks again, and we'll see you next Tuesday.